Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. I want you to turn to two places, two places, all right? Turn to the book of Philippians. This has been our anchor verse for the entire month. We started the year teaching out of this verse, and I want to finish our series today going back to it. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, and then mark your Bibles for Acts chapter 16. I want to spend the majority of my time teaching you out of Acts chapter 16. But our anchor verse, Philippians 3.13, Paul said these words, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Remember, we talked about focusing the first week. He says, this is what I focus on, forgetting the past. Remember week two, we talked about forgetting, uh, uh, untethering ourselves from the mistakes, the pain, the guilt, the shame of yesterday. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward, somebody say forward, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Can you say press? Remember last week, we used the football analogy, remember my Drew, oh, ouch, Drew Brees. Just a, a moment of silence for our saints, please. Okay, how, how many of you, you were a little disappointed last Sunday? How many of you are ashamed to admit how bad that hurt? Yeah, I acted really, I acted bad. Y'all pray for me, your, your pastor. It was ugly at my house. Um, we talked about pressing in under pressure last week. Verse 14, he says, I press on to reach the end of the race. Somebody say the end. The end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So much squeezed into those two verses. We talked about focusing, forgetting, pressing. Today I want to talk to you about finishing. Somebody say finishing. How many of you think it's important that we need to finish what we've started? It's not just how you start the race, but it's how you finish. I'm thankful that we've started this new year strong. We've started with focus and preparation. Man, we're dialed in. There's a game plan for growth. But I want to encourage you to finish well, the Apostle Paul talks about reaching the end of the race. It's not enough to just sign up and get started. But how many of you know that God will give you the grace to finish well? You know, Paul wrote this letter to a group of Christians at the city of Philippi. It's called the Philippian Church, the Philippian Church. And it's interesting. I want to share with you the story on how this church got Started. You see, if we're going to finish well, we need to understand how we begin. And the beginning of this is, is just fascinating. Acts chapter 16, if you would, turn, to me, turn with me to your, uh, in your Bibles to Acts 16. And let me give you some context here, what I'm about to read to you. This is Paul's second missionary journey where some really interesting things happen that have birthed the beginning of this church. This church, let me say this, this church was birthed out of conflict. It was birthed out of great struggle and difficulty. Can I stop right here and say this? Sometimes God's greatest work comes out of our biggest struggle. Can I say that again? 
sometimes God's greatest work is birthed out of your biggest difficulty. That should encourage somebody today. I don't know what your biggest problem is right now. How many of you got some big problems? Don't be pointing to the person next to you, okay? <laughs> out of your biggest problems could come God's greatest work. And this is what we see about to happen. The church, the Philippian church is going to be birthed out of some dark, difficult moments in Paul's life. Paul and Silas, they've just, they're, they're in the city of Philippi. They're preaching and teaching. And the scripture tells us that a girl, she was a servant girl. She worked for some terrible masters. But this girl was demon-possessed. Uh, she was a fortune teller. And her masters used her to make a profit. So she, through the powers of darkness, would use this dark, evil gift to make a profit for her bosses. And she's harassing Paul and Silas as they're doing their work. And one day, Paul just turns and says, devil, come out of her in Jesus' name. Boom! And through the authority of Jesus, this young girl is delivered. Well, her masters are so upset because all of their fortunes rise, they just go up in smoke. They were prostituting her gift to pad their own pockets. How many of you know greed is still alive today just as it was then? Using her, they didn't care about her. They didn't want her to be free. They wanted her to make money for them. And when she was freed from the power of darkness, these guys were upset. So they incited a mob. Look with me, please, in verse 22 of Acts chapter 16. The Bible says a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Now, now let me stop right here and as I unpack this, a, a couple things stood out to me. These guys incited a, a riot, a mob. And I want to encourage us as believers, never bow to the mob. You have truth inside of you. You, ha you hold to a standard that this world doesn't care about. And sometimes your convictions will oppose what culture is trying to mandate. Come on, am I talking to anybody? Don't ever bow your knee to the mob. Stand strong even under pressure. You know, Jesus stood before a mob. They tried to cancel him. How many of you know cancel culture isn't new? They tried to cancel Jesus and the mob. They didn't like his teaching. And they thought if we kill him, we'll destroy the message. Guess what? They killed him and the message just multiplied. Don't ever bow your knee to the mob. Stand strong for the truth that you know of God's word inside of you. Don't cower in fear. Now, when I say stand strong in your conviction, how many of you know you can be strong in conviction, but that doesn't mean you have to be mean and belligerent? Okay, can I talk where we live for a second? You can be a person of great conviction and hold to the truth of this book, and you can still be kind and gracious in spirit. Uh, just because you're kind doesn't mean you're weak. And just because you're strong in conviction doesn't mean you're mean. Come on, somebody. You can be strong in the Lord, and you can be sweet in your spirit. I think that's where the church needs to be. The Bible says this mob 
was formed against Paul and Silas. They had these guys beaten, arrested, thrown into prison. They were chained, put into an inner dungeon. And the jailer was given watch over them saying, don't let these men escape. Now notice what it says in verse 25. Here's their reaction. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Can I have an amen for the word of God? Now, notice in this passage, I want to show you two decisions that Paul had to make, okay? Two very important decisions in this difficult situation. And the first is this. Number one, complain or praise. Complain or pray. Are, are we going to complain in this moment? Are we going to praise? Have you ever noticed how easy it is to complain when things don't go right for you? Only two people are being honest up in here. Hey, we complain about anything and everything, do we not? Oh, yeah, we do. We pray, Lord, just give me a car. Lord, I need transportation. Remember when you were desperate for transportation and you just asked God for a car? He gives you a car and then you complain that you get stuck in traffic. Mm-hmm. Lord, I'm just believing for a house, God. I'm believing. I'm getting out of this apartment. You're going to give me a space and a house. And Lord, you're going to enlarge my territory. God gives you a house and then you complain that you got to clean it. <laughs> Lord, I'm believing for a job. I'm believing for promotion, God. You're going to advance me. And then you get that promotion. You get that job. And then you complain about your boss. Mm-hmm. Ladies. Lord, I just need a man. I just need a hunk of hunk of burning love. Lord, would you just give me a husband? He gives you a husband. And then you complain you got no freedom. <laughs> Fellas, oh, I just need a woman. Oh, I need a good-looking girl. Lord, would you, I need to have somebody to share my life with. You get married and then you complain you got no money. Come on, talk to me. We complain about everything. Well, there's nothing to eat around here. How many of you have kids? How many of you have teenagers? Yeah, we got nothing to eat. They're looking at a refrigerator full of food. There's nothing to eat. We complain, well, we got nothing to wear. I can't find anything to wear. Your closet is full of clothes. Come on, somebody. Some of you, oh, I'm feeling conviction resting on some. You complained today before you came to church. Got nothing to wear. We complain about everything. We complain about our country. We complain about the church. We complain about our neighbors. It's easy to complain, especially when circumstances don't go your way. But the challenge is, can you be in a difficult place and still give God praise? You see, it takes no effort to complain, but it takes a lot of intentionality to worship God in the worst circumstances. How many of you know life is not always happy, clappy, sing-song, sappy? Is this the real world in which we live? Paul and Silas, they were in prison. They were chained. They were in a deep, dark dungeon. And the Bible says, instead of complaining, Lord, we preached your word. We did all that you told us to do. And this is the gratitude we get for it. They didn't do that. 
The Bible says that they begin to pray and sing to God. Now, notice, notice what happened as a result of their praise. That jailhouse began to rock. Man, the chains fell off of them. The prison doors flew open. But watch this. They praised God before they were delivered. It's one thing to give God praise after he answers your prayer. But it's another thing to praise him ahead of time. You see, praise after the fact is just gratitude. It's thanksgiving. Lord, I'm thankful you got me out of that. But praise ahead of time is a thing called faith. You see, there's something about praise and worship that plows through circumstances. You know, be careful that you you don't let your circumstances determine your song. You saw what I did there? Don't let your circumstances determine. Don't let what's happening on the outside determine the song inside of you. How many of you know that God is worthy whether we feel like it or not? That God is worthy in good days and in the bad days. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not just the good times or the convenient times or the happy times, but that means at all times. And I think there's, there's something for us, there's a power for us to tap into. Some of you are in a difficult space. You're in a real hard place, and you don't feel like worshiping him. But if you'll dial into praise, I promise you, you will discover a power coming your way that you never could on your own. In fact, the Bible says this. Here's, here's, here's what's cool. In Psalm 22, verse 3. I love this verse. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of Israel. But you, O God, are holy and you inhabit the praises of Israel. Everybody say inhabit. What does that word inhabit mean? If you write that word down, inhabit, here's the definition of inhabit. It means to come and dwell in. If you're going to inhabit, you're going to step into. Watch what happens when your praise goes up. Your praise creates space for God to come dwell inside of. Are you catching this? What do you need God for in your life? Where do you need his help the most? Give God praise in that place. Because when your praise goes up, his presence comes down. God inhabits the space and the place where, in which we give him praise. You say, Mike, I need help in my marriage. Well, right in the middle of that messy marriage, begin to give God praise. And he shows up. I need help with my children. I don't see any progress with my kids. Keep praising your way through it because your praise, God says, I will dwell inside of. Are you catching this? Some of you need financial breakthrough. God, I'm not seeing anything happening financially. Continue to plow through praise and worship. Don't let circumstances or feelings or emotions determine the song within your soul. You see, the miracle that you're believing God for may be on the other side of your praise. It may be on, you may be one praise away from your breakthrough. Come on, are you catching this today? Don't complain because if you complain, you'll remain. But if you praise, you'll be raised. You see how that works? Uh, Paul and Silas in their most difficult moments, they could have complained, but they decided to sing praise to God even when it didn't make sense. 
Reminded of a story I heard years ago. In fact, I think uh, Pastor Larry Stotstill told me this story. He said there was a Chinese woman that suffered from a terrible plague, terrible disease. and She was spiking a high fever, 107-degree fever. She suffering from smallpox. And, and the doctors and the medical professionals were trying to tend to her. Uh, they just couldn't help her. In fact, she slipped into a coma, and she was unresponsive for weeks. And so her family, by her bedside, day after day, night after night, just believing for a miracle, they needed supernatural help. Have you ever been in a place where man couldn't help you, where medicine couldn't fix it? They needed God. The doctors basically gave the family no hope. She was unresponsive for weeks, and so they called the family in to say their final goodbyes. And so the family standing around that bed, hearts broken, telling their, their loved one goodbye. In that moment, radically, unpredictably, this lady who'd been unresponsive for weeks, she raised her hands in that bed. Didn't open her eyes, didn't say a word, but her hands were lifted up. Well, this was the first time in weeks that they saw any sign of life. So they called the, the doctors, hey, what's going on here? The doctors didn't know. They couldn't explain it. They didn't have much hope for it, but they didn't know what was going on. Ten minutes later, the lady opens her eyes. Ten minutes after that, she sits up in bed. Thirty minutes later, they released her from the hospital. They said, we don't know what happened. She is a medical miracle. There's no explanation. How many believe that God could still work miracles? Afterwards, her family was talking to her saying, what in the world was going on? She said, I don't know, but I just had this vision of Jesus coming to me. And in his hands were a set of scales. There were buckets on either side. One bucket was all the way to the ground, and it was overflowing. And I said, Lord, what is that bucket? He said, this bucket represents your sickness. It's your disease. It's your infirmity. And it was overflowing to the ground. She said, God, what's that bucket right there? She, God told her, that's your praise. It's empty. There's nothing in it. She said, at that moment, I just began to worship God the only way I knew how. And as I began to worship, that bucket started to fill up and begin to tip the scales. And I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But all I know is that I, got, I gave God praise. Can I tell you this? If you worship the Lord, even in the midst of your suffering, God can change the scales. I'm not guaranteeing a, a, a physical miracle, but I promise you this. You put yourself in the position to receive the supernatural when your praise goes up because it gives a place for his power to come down. Are you catching that? That's why worship for us is so important here at Healing Place. It's not the warm-up lap. Well, we're going to sing three songs and then somebody's going to come pray. We're just going to warm up the crowd so Pastor Mike can give the word. No, 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 no. Worship has incredible power and potential. Why do we worship God? Why? Does God, is he insecure? Is God up in heaven saying, you know, I'm just not sure how I feel about myself these days, and uh, I need people to tell me how amazing I am. How many know God's never had an issue with his identity? Worship is not for God's benefit. It's for yours. When you worship God, when you lift up your eyes, it's amazing how the problems and the pressures and the things of this world, they begin to dissipate. You see, when we worship, we magnify. We make God bigger. Come on, are you catching this? 
it's kind of like I love what Doug said a couple weeks ago. He compared it to like a pair of binoculars. You know, have you ever used a pair of binoculars? When you first get those binoculars, you look through them, it's all fuzzy. But there's a dial right in the middle. And if you adjust that dial, it'll help you focus on what you're looking for. Worship is just like that dial. Some of you, God is out of focus, but if you begin to worship the Lord, then the problems seem to get fuzzy and the focus on the answer gets even greater and greater. You see, Paul and Silas had a decision to make. In that jail, when when, when they had nothing going for them, do they complain or do they praise? Notice what the Bible says in verse 27. (laughs) Once the, the jailer sees what's happening, He notices the chains have fallen off of every prisoner. The prison doors are wide open. The Bible says, verse 27, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all right here. The jailer called for lights and he ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he says, verse 30, he brought them out and he asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, here's what's fascinating. I want you to see the response here of the apostle Paul. God shows up in this supernatural way. Sends an earthquake, prison doors open, chains have fallen. How many of you would assume this is your exit plan right here? Okay, Lord, I've been praying that you would deliver me. I'm ready to escape. Uh, God, uh, now I'm ready. That you, you've sovereignly, I couldn't have done this. Lord, thank you so much. But the Bible says Paul stays right there. Why? Paul knew that if he were to escape, it would cost the jailer his life. You see, under Roman law, if you were given the responsibility to watch over a prisoner and that prisoner escaped, then the judgment on the prisoner would fall on you. In fact, this Roman guard, he would be publicly humiliated and he would be destroyed. They would kill him and more than likely kill his family. Paul knew this. And so in this supernatural experience, Paul wasn't saying, God, get me out of here. He was saying, Lord, how can I bring you in here? You see, God wasn't trying to break these guys out. God was trying to get in. Paul didn't make this moment about himself. This wasn't his opportunity to escape. Are you catching this? Uh, This to me is the most fascinating part of the story. Uh, Paul's not saying, here's my chance, but he's saying, God, here's your chance. Here's your chance to do something, not just for me, not just for all of these prisoners, but for the guy in charge. You know what? The apostle Paul was willing to sacrifice his freedom for somebody else's salvation. Now, here's the choice that Paul had to make. Was it about comfort or was it about the kingdom? The first choice was, is this about uh, um, complaining or or can I give God praise? The second is, Lord, am I going to make this about me or am I going to make this about the kingdom of God? This is amazing because notice how his response impacted the jailer, the guy who was beating them, 
the guy who was uh, tormenting them, responsible to hold them captive. Now he trembles before them and he kneels and he says, what must I do to be saved? That's a big deal. I wonder if people look at our lives and they see something different in us and it triggers something inside of them to say, I need what you got. What is it about you? Because I want what's inside of you. Are you catching this today? You see, all relationships will require a certain amount of sacrifice when it comes to freedoms. If you're going to have a great friendship, how many of you know you can't get selfish in that friendship? Selfishness will kill a friendship. How many married folk do we have? How many know that you're going to have to give up some freedoms? Come on, talk to me. You're going to have to sacrifice some freedoms. When you say, I do, come on, I look at Rachel and I look at me and I know that she made the greater sacrifice, all right? I feel like I'm blessed. Come on, baby, talk to me. She's not feeling it. It's okay. If you have children, you realize you sacrifice as a parent. You give up some freedoms so that your kids can succeed. Are you make, are, is this making sense? Paul did not make this moment about himself. He's not saying, here's my chance. He's saying, God, now here's your chance. Look at the response. Verse 31. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, along with everyone in your household. They shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. <sighs> Radical. You see, Paul said, I'm not going to make this about my own personal freedom. I'm going to make this about something greater. What about his salvation? What about his family? The Bible says his whole family was baptized. They came to the Lord. Now listen, this was the launch of the Philippian church. This letter that we've been reading all month, Philippians, was a letter to the church at Philippi. This jailer, remember the servant girl that they delivered? She's a member this jailer now, he's a member. All of his family got saved and baptized. They're members. And guess what? Every prisoner whose chains fell off. Isn't it amazing how God can use anybody from any walk of life for his purposes? I love that. Will we make our lives about our own comfort? Or will we say, God, I want the kingdom. Lord, how can you use me? to advance the kingdom. You, you know what I appreciate about this church, what I love about you? We have some amazing men and women who've prioritized the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for this day and the message that will come from this pulpit today. To speak life into them and encouragement, Lord God, and just use us today, Lord God, to reach those kids. The one who spoke the stars into existence. Lord, yet you've risen each and every one of us up. You've done something amazing in our lives, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Love you guys. Hey, go team. Talk three.
One, two, three, go team! Serving is everything to me. I really feel like this is my purpose and this is my special place in the body of Christ. Also serving every Sunday really leaves me with a sense of fulfillment and I know that I'm fulfilling God's purpose by serving Him. It makes a feeling of community and family. Like it makes me feel like my family is who I serve with. Serving gives us that chance to fellowship with one another uh, as a team member on a Sunday morning or even in the community. Serving has been really everything to me. Um, in 2019, my wife passed away suddenly, and my parking team was one of the first, uh, first people I reached out to, and they kind of surrounded me and kind of came alongside me. So they really gave me a lot of strength in a difficult time. For me, being able to welcome people and usher them into a seat at our church is significantly important because I look at it as kingdom work, and I encourage everybody to just donate your time into the church whenever you can. That's so good. So good. Come on. Can you put your hands together one more time? Some amazing stories. Here's the thing. We, we, we start the year with such passion and purpose and focus. And, and we're, we're talking about moving forward. I want you to take the journey with us. Some of you have been considering, how can I get involved? Some of you have been praying for a sign. Lord, I just need a sign. God, give me a sign. Listen, here's your sign right here. This is the sign you've been praying for. God's been stirring in your heart. We've talked about focusing and forgetting and pressing. What's it all for? When you say the end of the race, what's it all about? For us at Healing Place, it's never been about buildings. It's not about possessions. It's never been about influence. It's always about people. Can I have a good amen? God's doing something in this hour. And this is a time when the world desperately needs a life-giving expression of God. Hey, the honest truth is this. You need what's in this house. You do. You need the message of hope. You need the spirit and the activity of God. You need spiritual family. You need what's in this house. But here's, here's the, uh, the other side of that coin. This house needs what's inside of you. We need that, that, that gift, that talent, that ability, that calling. We won't be who we're supposed to be without you stepping up and moving forward with us. Amen. You receive that today. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.